0: Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome back to the Sci-Fi Feminist Podcast. I hope that you had a wonderful week that passed. Today, since we are celebrating Star Trek Day on Wednesday, I decided to do an episode that is a kind of a tribute to all of the wonderful and progressive and amazing women in Star Trek. So today I will list some of my favorite women in Star Trek and also some of the most significant female characters in Star Trek. And I'll look a little bit on what makes them progressive, what makes them great and what makes them embody the ideals of star trek and the vision that gene roddenberry had for star trek and for the future of humanity so well so i hope that once again you look forward to today's episode today for movie recommendation i let's let's uh, let me recommend a star trek movie since we are celebrating star trek this week My favorite Star Trek movie, or perhaps one of my favorites, is of course Star Trek First Contact, because that is the first time that we meet the Borg Queen, who became one of the most awesome, most transgressive and the greatest female villains um, in Star Trek and I think in science fiction too. So, yes, this week, if you haven't watched Star Trek First Contact, I highly recommend it. If you have watched it, then I recommend watching it again, because it is just so awesome. So, yes, without further ado, then, as usual, let me get into today's episode, and then let's talk a bit about all of the awesome women in Star Trek. Right, so let's start at the very very beginning which is Star Trek the original series and I think you have an idea of who I will be mentioning here it is none other than lieutenant Uhura played by Nichelle Nichols she is significant for many reasons um, so I've argued previously that um, unfortunately you know the Star Trek the original series um Despite being set in the future where, you know, sexual differences are eliminated and where women play a more significant role in society. Unfortunately, the show um, struggled at times to break free from, you know, the 1960s <laughs> in which the show was created. So we see in Star Trek, the original series, unfortunately, many women and many female characters that... Um, are just there to kind of reinforce captain kirk's masculinity and um but you know i guess that was what sci-fi was like in that time but um lieutenant uhura she still um she is quite sexualized in terms of her clothing and in terms of um, her dress and unfortunately she didn't get any really significant character arc of her own. But why Lieutenant Uhura is so significant and so awesome and why I love this character so much is because she was one of the first representations of a black woman in space. Now there was this famous conversation that the actress Nichelle Nichols had with Martin Luther King at that time and um, she actually wanted to quit Star Trek because she said that you know, she's just there to look good. <laughs> um, but then Martin Luther King told her, no, you should stay on Star Trek. You should keep doing it. Because seeing the representation, seeing a black woman in space at that time, in the 60s, really meant a lot for the Black Liberation Movement. And um, it is really a, a very positive thing to be able to show um, this you know black female scientist in space, so yes, yeah, she continued. And um, I know that the other day they celebrated all the impacts that that character, Lieutenant Uhura, actually had on women in STEM and also in black women in STEM um, in the 1960s. If um, you know, Lieutenant Uhura told us that women are smart, women are capable women can be competent scientists, women can be on the bridge crew of a spaceship. And, you know, although that today, looking back 55 years ago, uh, today, you know, that is really generally accepted. And we've seen many great female scientists and also especially black female scientists and astronauts in space. Um, In the 1960s, 55 years ago, um, you know, that wasn't so common. So that's why Lieutenant Uhura is so significant and um, so progressive and so ahead of her time because she showed us something that in the 60s was really unheard of. Of course, too, um, what makes her significant is that we saw the first interracial kiss on primetime television in Star Trek, the original series, where she kisses Kirk. So... Once again, uh, we see something that was totally unheard of in the 1960s. So, yes, you know, despite all its flaws, despite all the problematic representations of women in Star Trek, the original series, still, um, Lieutenant Uhura, definitely as a woman in space, as the first representation of a black woman in space, um, she really uh, did a lot. Uh, for women and in terms of representation. So, yes, that is my first favorite female character from Star Trek. So let's move on. Uh, To be very honest with you, I didn't watch uh, a lot of Deep Space Nine or a lot of the... um, Next Generation. Yeah, The Next Generation. So I will just mention a few interesting characters from those two. But um, I think everyone knows by this time Voyager is my favorite track. And also more recently, I really love Star Trek Discovery. But let me mention a few of the most significant characters from uh, the, rich, the Next Generation and from Deep Space Nine. From Deep Space, Deep Space Nine, there is Kira, Nerys, and Jazia Dax. And if I'm not mistaken, we saw what was arguably one of the first um, homosexual kisses in Star Trek, which is the kiss between uh, Kira, Nerys, and Jazia Dax. So, um... Yes, to be honest, I actually haven't watched that episode, so I'm not quite sure what the, the circumstances of that is. But um, yes, these two characters too um, made some history in terms of Star Trek um, and in terms of science fiction too. Then, of course, from The Next Generation two of my favorite characters are um, counselor Deanna Troy and nurse Dr. Beverly Crusher. So some people have argued regarding these two characters that unfortunately um, they still occupy roles that are stereotypical of women. So being a nurse <laughs> um Beverly Crusher is kind of linked to well yeah nurses and the stereotype that only women can be nurses or that women are not doctors but nurses and of course counselor Diana Troy uh, there is the stereotype that um, women are more empathetic uh, more emotional and more in touch with their emotions so then we see counselor Diana Troy as someone, you know, she's an empath and uh, she is a counselor, which are also very traditional female roles. Despite that, though, what we do see with these two characters is that they have more significant character arcs and that they are on the bridge crew. There are members, um, of the crew and significant members of the crew. So, unlike Lieutenant Uhura, who barely said much <laughs> in the original series, um, these two women play a much more significant role. And, you know, despite their occupations, uh, I still really like these two characters and um, I still think they still show, you know, a positive representation of smart women and smart women in space. Which is really good. Um, there's, of course, Tasha Yar, too. And, um, she is the very first female security chief (laughs) in Star Trek. So I think, um, you know, she might have paved the way for other characters such as Captain Janeway and, um, even more recently, um, Michael Burnham. So Tasha Yar. Yes, she was security chief and she really showed that, you know, women can be strong and tough too. Uh, she had short hair. She's a bit more androgynous. And um, in terms of the next generation, she, um, yeah, unfortunately, she, she didn't last very long on the show. But still, she showed us a woman that is really um, strong and tough in space. Yes, So, from, yeah, the two Star Trek that I know the few, the least about, those are my two favorite women from those. So, yes, as I mentioned, let me mention the Borg Queen next, then. Um, As I mentioned in the introduction to this episode, the Borg Queen is one of my favorite female villains of all time, and definitely in Star Trek, one of my, yeah, I think my favorite villain in Star Trek, because she is just so pure evil (laughs) she is really ruthless in her pursuit of earth (laughs) and assimilating humankind in star trek first contact the movie and in star trek voyager i really loved how she and captain janeway are always kind of pitted against each other for seven of nines loyalty Um, she's just such an antagonist and um yeah, although I, you know, I prefer good characters uh, or good guys. Um, the the Boar Queen is transgressive in many ways. So in terms of how she is quite an empowered version of femininity. Uh, first of all, I think it's very significant that. When they finally gave the Borg a leader in Star Trek First Contact, it is not a man, but it is a woman. So we have a woman, a female character, who is in charge of the entire Borg collective. (laughs) Now, this is something I've been pondering over for years, actually, since I first met the Borg Queen. Met, I put in inverted commas, you know, met in terms of the first time I see saw her. Um... I was always wondering, you know, why, why is the leader of the Borg, why is the queen always female? Now, um, yeah, just, just hear me out here. So in Star Trek First Contact, we meet the Borg Queen, and um, yeah, she's like the queen bee. It's like a kind of a hive structure that the Borg function in. So we have the Borg Queen, who is the queen of the collective, and she is in charge of all the drones, and like she says, she brings order to chaos. So yes, we have this Borg Queen that brings order to chaos, and then at the end of First Contact, Picard actually kills her. (laughs) Captain Picard and Data team up and they kill the Borg Queen. And then what we see happening in Star Trek Voyager is that there is another Borg Queen. And I've actually um, figured out the timelines and things. Um, These are two separate Borg Queens. So it seems that the Collective as soon as one queen dies the collective chooses another queen and then of course we know that in Star Trek Voyager Captain Janeway once again kills the Borg Queen and then I saw this week actually that um in Star Trek Picard they introduced the new Borg Queen or the actress who's gonna play the Borg Queen in Star Trek Picard in season two or was it season three I wasn't sure um so we're gonna have another Borg queen. <laughs> so for me, what I, what, I, why I love the Borg queen so much is because it seems that there is a female consciousness that rules the collective, and then every time a queen dies, the collective doesn't choose a male to run it, but every single time it is a woman that becomes the queen. So, you know, I found it quite interesting why, <laughs> why a woman, you know, does the collective. Is it ruled by some female consciousness that just chooses a queen every time another one dies? Or, you know, was it a woman that was assimilated that became the Borg queen and that became this female consciousness that just chooses a new body every time? I don't know if I'm making sense, but (laughs) this has bothered me quite a bit. And um, I'd be quite interested to hear people's opinions on this thing. In Star Trek Picard, we also see Seven of Nine become the Borg Queen for a short while. So I asked myself, what if Hugh plugged in? And what if Hugh became the, I, I like put in inverted commas, the Borg Queen <laughs> for that short time that Seven was the Borg Queen on Star Trek Picard on the artifact, that ship. So... Yes, I'd be very interesting, interested to hear your opinions on this. But I guess this is why I love the Borg Queen so much, because it seems that every single time another one dies, one dies, um, another one is chosen. And there is really a female consciousness that rules the Borg collective. So yes, <laughs> excuse my rant on the Borg Queen. Or yeah, I've, I've really been trying to figure this thing out for a long time. Of course, it could also just be an error in writing. But I don't think so. I think um, Star Trek writers might have thought about this a little bit more, as I am doing right now. But yes, the Borg Queen, one of my favorite female characters in Star Trek. And um, what makes her really progressive, too, is that she shows this really positive pairing between women and technology. So if you're aware, there is a stereotype that women and technology are incompatible. That women are bad at computers and that women are bad at technology and that women can't be the active creators of technology and also that women can't be good scientists. So what the Boar Queen does in being a woman that is the head of this very advanced technological race and that is herself part machine, um, it really shows a positive pairing between women and technology too. So... Yeah, that is the Borg Queen, another one of my favorite female characters in Star Trek. Since we are on the topic of the Borg, let me move on to Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine, yes, as you know, Star Trek Voyager is my favorite track. And of course, Seven of Nine is introduced in the later seasons in Star Trek Voyager. And um, we see this character who is... You know, unfortunately, very, very sexualized. I've read on some forums that, um, you know, people are quite upset. They said that they turned track into soft porn <laughs> by introducing several of Nine just because she is so sexy. She has these uh, huge breasts, thin waist, wide hips, you know, the ideal European or Western version of femininity. But there are many things about Seven of Nine that make her really great too. We see that despite Seven having this really sexy and sexualized body, wearing this really tight, (laughs) um, tight, skin-tight suit, still Seven of Nine shows us a representation of a woman who is not stereotypically feminine. Despite her body in terms of her character and her personality, She is completely logical, she's straightforward, there's no place for emotions, there is no place for romance, there is no place for even fun or play. She is absolutely work-orientated, she is uninterested in romantic relationships and she is very logical and perhaps one of the best scientists on Voyager itself. So Seven of Nine, I love this character. She's one of my favorites because she is so complex and she is such a positive representation of femininity in the sense that she is not stereotypically feminine at all. Um, despite her very sexualized and sexy female body. Of course, too, S- Seven of Nine has been read as a queer character, and then at the end of Star Trek Picard Season 1, we see her interlocking hands with Raffi Massacre. I think I, I said her name right. Raffi from Star Trek Picard. And... Um, yeah, it is also, you know, it might have been uh, unheard of in the 90s <laughs> to have a queer female character. And um, many people say that is why she and Captain Janeway never paired up, <laughs> canonically, I mean. But... Um, Yeah, they they kind of resolved that issue in Star Trek Picard much more recently, because, of course, now it's okay (laughs) to have that. So, yes, I'm very, very excited to see what Star Trek Picard Season 2 does with Seven of Nine, where her story goes. Uh, She is one of my all-time favorite Star Trek characters, female Star Trek characters. Right then, let us move on to Captain Catherine Janeway. (laughs) Captain Janeway is my first love in Star Trek. She is my absolute hero. She is, for me, I think my sole favorite female character in science fiction of all time. Captain Janeway has, when I first um, started watching Star Trek, I actually... Only watched it because of my research in it. I never watched Star Trek before 2019 when I actually had to do research on it. I wrote a chapter on Captain Janeway because she follows the legacy of the second wave feminists. The, this ideal, androgynous, um, smart, tough female version of empowerment, which I will talk about a little bit Uh in a second. Um, But Captain Janeway, in 2019, I had quite a hard time in my life. And um, that was when I started watching Star Trek Voyager. And um, I think I became so fond of this awesome character because she really became my friend. (laughs) It might sound sad, but Captain Janeway always gave me a lot of strength. And um, yes, that is why she's absolutely number one on this list for me of top female characters in Star Trek, and um, I really hope to pay tribute to her even more in the future, in future episodes. But yes, as I mentioned, Captain Janeway really follows that second wave feminist ideal of female empowerment. She is, first of all, she has a job. <laughs> she is the captain of a starship. And as you know, Captain Janeway was, of course, the first female captain in Star Trek that has plays a really prime role. We've seen previous female captains, but they were not the lead of the series. You know, Captain Janeway was the first female captain in Star Trek to have her own, um, Yeah, Star Trek series, basically. So, or to be the lead of the series, of a Star Trek series. So, yes, in terms of second wave feminist empowerment, she is a working woman, a career woman. Just like Betty Friedan in The Feminine Mystique, encouraged women to pursue careers. Uh, Captain Janeway always puts her career ahead of everything else. Um, there is that, I love that conversation she has with her fiancé in the first episode in Caretaker, where um, he's like trying to talk to her and she's just so preoccupied with her work to the point where he's like, okay, I'll just leave you alone to do your work. <laughs> um, yeah, and she makes it her life's goal she never marries when she returns, and um, she stays alone, and yeah, she makes it her life's goal to bring Voyager back earlier. So, yes, Captain Janeway, um in terms of that second wave feminist notion that women should work, women should have careers, she's the ideal second wave uh, feminist. Um she is also androgynous. Um she's not sexualized. Captain Janeway, is not very feminine either. She wears her unisex Starfleet uniform throughout all seven se- seasons of Star Trek Voyager, and her hair also becomes progressively shorter as the series continues. And um she is reasonable, logical. She's a brilliant scientist. She is very masculine in terms of many of her characters. She is very brave. She does not take nonsense, and she's absolutely incorruptible in the application of the Star Trek principles. So Captain Janeway, definitely um in terms of androgyny too, you know, she suggests that women can do everything that men can do and um, perhaps do it even better. <laughs> so, um, that's why, you know, I I think she's one step ahead of Seven of Nine, because she embodies all of these very progressive characteristics, very masculine characteristics, without that very sexualized female body. Of course, too, and some people would say this is not an empowering part of Captain Janeway, even though she is quite masculine, she's quite feminine, too, in terms of her role as the crew's mother. And... Um, She's not emotional, but she is very, um, empathetic, very sensitive. So a very well-rounded character, in my opinion. And for me, she really shows the representation of just, you know, every woman. Um, you know, most women are <laughs> both masculine and feminine. Um, women really, how can I say, um, the continuum between masculinity and femininity, women move on that continuum very easily. And Captain Janeway really shows that. So yes, of course, I'm very, very excited to see Star Trek Prodigy. Prodigy and I was so moved when I watched that intro, introduction, the, they showed the, Uh, what's it called the opening sequence for star Trek: prodigy Uh, it was released last week i think and they showed the hologram like the profile of captain janeway the hologram and i i was moved to tears actually because i'm just so excited to see the captain back in action again so i will definitely be doing a few episodes on star trek prodigy when we get there because uh yeah captain janeway is just right up there for me um Yes, so let me stop talking about Captain Janeway. Let me then move on to more recent Star Trek. Some of the greatest female characters in the recent ones. Of course, in Star Trek Discovery, and I've done episodes on these two characters before, these are Michael Burnham and Emperor Philippa Georgiou. In terms of Michael Burnham, I think it really comes full circle here because... You know, one of the first important women we saw in Star Trek was Lieutenant Uhura, the first representation of a black woman in space. Then in 2017, where Star Trek Discovery comes out, we see another representation of a black woman in space, but this time she is the main character. She is the lead of the series. She takes center stage and all of the events in the series kind of revolve around her journey and her Um, her as a heroine. So Michael Burnham, very, very significant, because she is the first black woman in space (laughs) to be the lead of a Star Trek series. The first black woman protagonist in Star Trek, and she is the central protagonist of Star Trek Discovery. And in terms of her representation too, whereas Yuhura was a little bit sexualized in terms of her clothing, Michael Burnham is androgynous, she is tough, she's also emotional, (laughs) and once again, like Captain Janeway, we don't see this very narrow ideal of what a woman is like or what a woman should be like, but Michael Burnham too. She just responds, I think, the way any person would respond in the very dire situations that she is placed in. I really love Michael Burnham because her journey is so real. To me and her emotions are so real. And um, despite being a Vulcan, <laughs> growing up on Vulcan and being um, very reasonable, rational, and you know, employing that Vulcan logic, she's also quite um, empathetic, emotional, and um. Uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Caring. She's um, all of those things. So once again, and I think for the first time, we see a very well-rounded female character um, who is significantly also black and the lead protagonist of the series. So kudos to Michael Burnham. And I can't wait to see... What, where her journey takes us in season four of Star Trek Discovery, where she is actually finally the captain <laughs> of the discovery. I think that was really long overdue. And it is quite, um, sad to me that it is only in 2017, you know, it took that long <laughs> for Star Trek and for society to catch up and to actually put a black woman at the center and at the forefront of the series. So I was very, very happy to watch Star Trek Discovery, and to see this really, uh, to follow this awesome journey of Michael Burnham. Then the final character I'll mention today, as you know, she's one of my all-time favorites too, is the Emperor Philippa Giorgio. or, you know, initially Captain Philippa Giorgio. Of course, I have some, I'm quite biased because I love Michelle Yeoh, the, the actress, but I was also very happy to really see an Asian character that is in such, that plays such an important part in the narrative of Star Trek Discovery 2. Of course, there were other Asian um, women in Star Trek before. Uh, There's Hoshi Sato and um, other male characters, um, uh, (laughs) not Lieutenant, he will never be Lieutenant, um, Ensign Kim, Ensign Harry Kim on Star Trek Voyager. But as we see in Star Trek Discovery, as is the case with Michael Burnham, uh, we see an Asian character who really defies many stereotypes about women and especially about um Asian woman and um she's again at the forefront, you know, of the series. I feel like Emperor Philippa Georgia really plays a very significant role in Star Trek Discovery. And um if we actually get that Section 31 spin-off <laughs> that has been promised or that is in the pipeline, I will be very, very happy and I'll be so happy to see, you know, what an Asian woman at the forefront of a Star Trek series will do. So yes, that is my list and my small tribute to the awesome women of Star Trek, the awesome female characters in Star Trek. And I really believe that in the future, too, we will see even more progressive female characters in Star Trek. And, um, you know, all of these characters, they are smart, they are capable, and they are just really awesome women. And um, I'm really happy and yeah, can I say it's a privilege to be able to watch these women on screen because they undeniably definitely have a big impact on, uh, on young women and on young girls watching Star Trek and um, showing these positive representations of women in space and women in STEM, I think is very important for our society. So yes, everyone, happy 55 years of Star Trek. I really hope you enjoy all of the celebrations on Wednesday. I'm definitely going to be celebrating by watching some of my favorite Voyager episodes again, I think. And, um, yes, this is also the 30th episode of this podcast. So everyone, thank you so much for listening up to this point. I, um, sometimes it is very hard for me to <laughs> Send out an episode because it gets so busy, but I decided to stick with it. And now finally, it's already the 30th episode. So, you know, thank you for supporting the podcast and for listening. And I promise that in the future, I'll continue bringing you interesting discussions about feminism and about women. And, um you know, with all of the new Star Trek coming out, you know, there's a lot of content and there's a lot of things that I would like to talk about in the future too. So yes, keep listening and I'll keep um, doing my best. And um, yes, thank you for all of the support. All right. So I will sign off here. Everyone live long and prosper. Happy Star Trek Day. Happy Star Trek Week. And I hope you have a wonderful time ahead. I will see you again next week for the next Sci-Fi Feminist episode. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, yeah. which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it's like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. <laughs> I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Foo. Ransom Foo, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4 Random Trek Review A Star Trek Review Podcast Yeah, the one you mentioned with Dr. Crusher is hilarious because it gets down to her and Captain Picard and so it's like they have this giant galaxy-class ship and there's just the two of them and he acts like it's a normal thing and it's just absolutely ridiculous, right? Two people on that giant starship And there's even the point where where she says Computer, how many personnel would it take to run this ship? And they're like, 832 or something and Picard's like oh yeah that is kind of weird i guess i thought we were just doing it the two of us you know like that was pretty funny computer deactivate Suite.